Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis. To have on tonight, and I would like you guys to welcome to the podcast, Apostle Ryan Lestrange. Apostle Ryan Lestrange, how are you doing tonight? I'm good, and I am so excited to be on. I've been watching the podcast and really how you've just taken the digital world by storm. It's amazing through all this crazy uh, COVID-19, how we've had to learn to innovate, adapt, mm. kind of change the way we've done stuff. So I'm excited. I, I know we're going to talk about a lot of different things. And I really think right now with everything going on in the landscape of America, and we probably have people on not from America, um, but they're being affected. People are mm. uncertain. And so it's a really opportune time to pause and talk about Jesus and what he wants to do. So I'm really excited about that. I'm so excited to have you on. Um, you've been a huge, and guys, I like to intro my guests and talk about our relationship, but you've been a huge inspiration to me. You know this. I've texted you this. I've told you this in person um, since we met. I know we kind of talked from afar for, for years, and then we finally got a chance to meet. And I know you are a general. For a guy like me, you know, I'm in my um, late 20s. For a guy like me, we look up to people like you that are generals, that are plowing, that are forerunning for revival. I've, I've watched so many of your videos. I've read so many of your books. I've read so many of your articles. And I can honestly say you're one of those. I've never seen you try to tell people to calm down, to relax. You've always thrown gas on the fire of the young people. You've always encouraged the young people. You've always been on the cutting edge. You've been innovative. You're, you know, one thing I love about you is you're not going to get, you know, caught in what God did yesterday. You're always moving mm. forward to what is God saying now? What is the technology? What is God doing? And so you have absolutely, and I see Kelton, I see Jenny Weaver, a lot of your spiritual sons and daughters in the chat tonight, and they'll, they will attest to this in the chat you are a forerunner for revival a modern day john the baptist not generic a modern day john the baptist in our generation and i'll be telling you guys the whole time to follow him his 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 pages in the description but i want to say from me to you um i'm i look up to you and you are a general and i appreciate everything you've done for my ministry even having me on the groan we've done events together so many um contacts i've gotten even as well from the from people that have seen me on the groan we were just talking about charisma um getting connected with charisma they had saw me on the grown and then being just being connected to you has been an honor you've always told me like if you need anything call me text me and so more than like a revivalist or having you on you're a friend to me um i look up to you as a spiritual father so i do appreciate you i'm excited to have you on tonight what i would love to do as we do with kind of our new guests and people we have on was I'd love for you to share just whatever part of your testimony you'd like to share, how you got saved, how you got started. I know you've pastored for years. You've planted many churches. For those of you that don't know, he's authored so many books. He has a, a ton of content we're going to talk about here later tonight. Um, but you've seen so much in the church and God really exploded your ministry. I know that it kind of just took off and God really, um, exploded your ministry and you've traveled and you've been all over the world and preached and so i'm incredibly honored to have you here i appreciate you being here i'm so excited for tonight i know this is divine i was texting you yesterday we obviously didn't know um last week that this was all going to be happening as far as the protesting mm -hmm. the rioting the stuff happening now but i believe that it's for such a time as this that god is doing something tonight divinely and so i know it's not by you know coincidence or chance you're here tonight so thank you for being here i'd love for you just to share you know a bit about yourself 
Absolutely. Well, I love to share some of my testimony because I don't get to do that a lot. Mm. Like you said, I've been preaching for so long that a lot of times the audience I'm before, they're asking me to speak on a certain topic, a certain book. And so I want to dial it back. I grew up in California, um, the area that you're in. I was born in Lodi. So oh, that I didn't know that. Context in it. Yeah, I was born in Lodi. So I had family who lived in the Sacramento area and we kind of lived all over just because the way my childhood was, was very unstable. So we were moving uh, a lot, but I grew up in California. I was not raised in any kind of a uh, typical Christian environment. My family was Catholic, but that was predominantly my grandmother's generation. And so by the time it came to my parents' generation, most of those, uh, my aunts, uncles, my mom, dad, were not going to church. So I wasn't going to church. So I didn't hear, like, you know, it always irritates me when people will say, well, everybody in America's heard the gospel. Because wow. honestly, I can say I had not heard the gospel. Now, obviously, had I grown up uh, and kept living, eventually I would have heard the gospel. Yes. But at that time in my young adulthood, I had not heard the gospel. And as my, my life sort of went on, I became really, really depressed. Um, you know, there was a lot going on. My dad and mom split when I was young. Um, there was a lot going on. And I don't, I'm sometimes more careful how much I say because it involves other people. I used to just kind of put it all out. And mm. then I realized sometimes, you know, it's hurting other people because I'm telling their story. But my story was I grew up in a really broken situation. And in that situation, I became very depressed. Um, at a very young and early age, I, I tried alcohol, I was drinking, um, not anything severe because I'm talking about even like fifth grade, sixth grade, but that kind of age. And then um, tried other things, nothing that got too deep or too heavy. And then in the seventh grade, I had a real encounter with Jesus. My uncle took me to a spirit-filled church. It was what we would call a word of faith church. That was kind of the move that was really busting forth at that time. And so he took me there. The pastor every Sunday was a huge church, but the pastor always ended the service with a salvation altar call. Now, I had never heard the good news of Jesus Christ. So I'm wow. sitting there. I'm depressed. Even though I'm only in the sixth grade, I'm depressed. I feel there's no hope for my life. I feel there's no future for me. Um, you know, I just have nothing really going for me. And I hear the gospel and I go to the altar. I didn't know that you went to an altar. The way the pastor did it is just raise your hand. So I raised mm. my hand. I had no idea. If I would have known that, I probably would have never raised my hand. But <laughs> I raised my hand and they say, you know, come to the front. I ended up in the front. It was a great church. They had a really good follow-up ministry. So they took me in the back room. They explained to me the baptism of the Holy Spirit, all of that. But here was the thing. This is in the sixth grade. So at that time in my life, um, I don't, or maybe it was seventh grade. I think it was seventh. I don't know the terminology of church. Mm. So I don't know how to say like, hey, I want to go to a spirit-filled church. I want to go to a Protestant church. I, I didn't have that terminology. And my uncle took me to that service a couple hours away from where I live. So I go home and I try to be saved, but eventually I just fall right back into where I was because I'm not in church. I'm not in a Bible study. I'm not in discipleship. We didn't have streams like wow. this. So I just sink back down. And when I sink back down, it gets worse. And I start to do more, try more. And so really I ended at a place that I would say I was depressed. I was suicidal. If I could have figured out really wow. how to kill myself in a fairly non-painful way, I probably would have. I was hesitant because I was like, I don't want you know the pain of that. And But I was angry. I rage. Um, I just basically say like, any kind of demon you could think of, I had wow. those demons. Um, and so what happened was I got um, in a really, really bad situation. And in that time of crisis, 
God sent somebody to me to once again preach the gospel to me. And they preached the gospel. And when they preached the gospel, this time I said, okay, Lord, I want to serve you. And I wasn't coming to it from a place of, you know, oh, God's good. No, it wasn't that. I was rock bottoming mm. this time. So I got saved. And from that time on, my life went in a radically different direction. I ended up leaving California, moving to Cleveland, Tennessee to go to Bible college at Dr. Norval Hayes' school. Um, that was a very hardcore deliverance school. Dr. Hayes was in the midst of the faith movement, but he, he really, in the word of faith movement, a lot of those teachers did not really like casting out demons. Mm. And Dr. Hayes, his ministry had a very strong emphasis. He had worked with guys like Lester Sumrall and his ministry was very strong in casting out demons. And so day one that I went there, I was called to the front and they began, the staff began to cast demons out of me. Wow. And I'll tell you this, Isaiah, I will never forget that day because I was so embarrassed because I was so broken. Now, here's the thing. I had been saved, but I was still demonized. Wow. And so when they cast those demons out of me and I left the classroom that day, this voice starts speaking to me and saying, they embarrassed you. People are going to look at wow. you funny, you know, because this is all new to me. I was going to a nice church in California that was an hour and a half service like you described mm. in the beginning. And now I'm in a, a service where the Holy Spirit takes over and it could go for hours. And I'm sitting there and I'm kind of feeling sorry for myself and feeling like they embarrassed me. This is not good. And the Lord said something to me I will never forget. He said, what is more important to you, your pride? Mm or your deliverance. Mm. And it, I, that was like a point of decision because I wanted to actually leave the school because I was just like, this is not for me. This is not good. I don't feel good. I'm not enjoying this. But you know, when you're getting delivered, it doesn't feel good. Preach. You don't always enjoy it. Your flesh is crying out. The demons that used to inhabit you are crying out. And so I was going through all of that. And long story short, I had a bunch of supernatural encounters at a very early age that launched me in the ministry. And, you know, it's so funny because a lady got very mad at me the other day on Instagram because I was standing up for uh, some of the stuff going on right now, basically. I was saying that I just don't think that certain things should happen in our society. And so a lady, like, wrote me this very nasty message, and she was like, I'm so upset with you that you're using your platform this way. And I, I responded to her, and I said, ma'am, first of all, it's my platform. Yeah, so yeah. I think my advice to you would be to be more concerned about what's going on in our world. And secondly, I didn't ask for this platform. So truthfully, mm. if God doesn't like the way I'm using the platform, he can take it away because I can just go live a regular life. Come on. I'm here because God thrust me here. And that was my story. I was thrust into this thing. A lot like how you were just very quickly, very young. The difference probably between your journey and my journey was that God did not allow me to explode in notoriety or mm. large numbers of people following me for a lot of years. And so when that finally started to happen, people would be like, oh my gosh, you just, and overnight, you know, I saw you everywhere. But I was preaching for years and years yeah. and years to small crowds, medium crowds. I was on television for a while, but not a lot of people knew me. So that's my story. I could give a lot more details, but that's the nutshell of it. And my life lesson from my experience is God can use anybody. Mm. You might be a crackhead. Come which on. I know a lot of people are doing other kind of drugs now, but Come on. You, you know, you might be smoking weed every day. Uh, you might be hooked on porn. You might be confused about your gender, your sexuality, any number of things, but God can use you. God can literally take you 
from where you're at right now and overnight deliver you and set you free. And that's what happened to me. And I'll say this one last thing in this intro. I do believe in the day that we are in right now mm. in 2020, June the 2nd, at the time of this life, I believe God is enlisting Come on. unlikely, unusual candidates. Say people it. that we wouldn't choose. I am a person that I wouldn't have chosen, but God chose me. And I believe many of you that are listening, watching, sharing, liking, hearing, God wants you to know he mm. has chosen you. He has a plan for you. It's not over. So tune in, listen in tonight, and God is going to stir faith in your life. I love that. I love because, you know, getting called, getting anointed and called to preach, people oftentimes say, what gives you the boldness to preach a certain way? What gives you the boldness to say this or to stand in churches, you know, and you've had to do this countless times where you stand in these massive churches. And this is, guys, this is behind the scenes what preachers think about. And for me, I'm sitting in the hotel and the Lord gives me a word for that church. And oftentimes, you know, if you have a prophetic anointing, you're not getting up there and talking about your best life. Life now you're giving a word of correction you think about prophetic i know nowadays the prophetic is all nice and all positive and all clean and sanitized but you think about the prophetic in scripture and you're getting up and i've oftentimes had to get up before massive churches and say you know we are lukewarm as a church and if today we don't change god is going to vomit us out and here you have mm. us preaching this the senior pastor on the front row, but a lot of people don't realize this is the call of God. This is the anointing that God gives you to preach awakening, to preach revival. It's not always going to be nice. It's not always going to be sanitized. But for me, I had to come to a place where I said, do I want to obey man or do I want to obey God? Even right now in these shakings and what is happening in America, I have to come to a place where I say, am I not going to be afraid to preach the unfiltered, unadulterated, unwatered down gospel when it comes to preaching on demons, preaching on hell, preaching on repentance, preaching on holiness we need and i felt the prophetic anointing tonight but we need some people and i want to prophesy over some of the chat we need to rise up as men and women of god and say i am tired of being silenced by the pastors by the leaders by the religion by the watered down culture there's one thing that jesus was never afraid of and that was being silenced by religious leaders and i believe right now if there's ever been a time for pastors and preachers and evangelists to rise up and be bold about their faith guys now is the time we need to to stop sitting around and waiting for someone to give us permission to preach so many of you wow. are waiting for a pastor to give you permission to share when your pulpit is not your church on sunday your pulpit is your workplace your pulpit is your job your family your community and i think many people apostle ryan in our generation are asking the lord to send them to nations but they're not willing to go across the street we're asking the lord to send us to nations but we're not willing to go outside of our comfort zone and i don't think our coffee you know our starbucks Bible studies that's as radical as we get reading our Bibles in public at Starbucks is going to cut it for these end time shakings. <laughs> I believe we're in a shaking. Everything that can be shaken is getting shaken right now. America is in a storm, guys. There's no secret, but I want to tell somebody in the midst of this great storm, you will make it to the other side. I was just reading today, Apostle, when Jesus rebuked the disciples for not thinking they were going to survive during the storm. And I'm seeing a lot of hopelessness in the body of Christ. And I'm, I'm saddened by it as well pastors even during the corona calling me writing me saying isaiah we don't know if we're going to make it or we don't know if we're going to have a church after this and you know we're kind of just hanging on to a pillar in the boat just trying to survive the storm and for me i decided in the very beginning of all of this stuff breaking out was i'm either going to survive in storm or i'm going to thrive in the storm and so i said lord i don't want to be one of those guys and guys i'm telling you this is a word for you tonight that's hanging on to a pillar and just getting you know getting by i want to tell somebody 
that you're not going to give up. You're not going to quit. You're not going to go back. You're not going to stop pushing. You're not going to drown. Jesus is in the boat tonight. Um, that is why they said, what type of man is this? That this God that we serve is able to heal and to bring breakthrough. I believe tonight in the midst of this storm, Apostle, there is a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. There is something to be excited. People say, what are you so excited about? Don't you see the news? I do see the news, but I also see my Bible and I see an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I see apostles rising. I see prophets rising. I see men and women of God that are going to begin to rise up in deliverance. I love what you were posting. You were posting a picture that, that I, I know you posted several times of a guy holding a sign saying it's time to exit dead churches. And yes, this is something yes. we've been preaching, shouting. I know pastors are in here wiggling right now and they're getting scared, but I believe now's the time to get out of these dead churches. You know, I was thinking the other day, what would happen if there was an exodus of dead churches where pastors begin to realize people are no longer, I feel the Holy Ghost going to come because we're giving them gimmicks. People are no longer going to come because we have nice children's programs. People are no longer going to come. We need a revolt in the church, man. We need a real riot in the church of people saying we no longer are okay with our pastor babysitting us on Sunday morning, but we want to be in a place that does that has true equipping, true deliverance, true miracles, true repentance and breakthrough. I believe now's the time if you're a pastor, this is the time to get on your knees and say, Lord, I've babysat my congregation for too long. I need to equip the sons and daughters of God. Um, I believe in the midst of the storm, Apostle, we're going to see a great revival and awakening take place even right now. Yeah, I, I do too. You know, I look at what's going on and, and it's, it's very, I have a lot of observation. Number one, a lot of us were prophesying at the beginning of 2020. There was a very common prophetic word just playing off of the 2020 theme that it was yeah. a year to see. And when all this started happening, like everybody was like, oh, yeah, everybody missed it. It's not mm. a year to see. And I'm like, no, I think God is absolutely clarifying our vision. But a lot of people aren't listening. So mm. we learned through COVID like, OK, the church can function outside of a Sunday morning built inside the Come building on. structure. And now we look at the massive amount of upheaval, which really, you know, I see people posting a lot about, and I'm not trying to make people on the stream mad because you probably got half of the people think one thing and half yeah, of the yeah. people think another thing. So I'm going to try not to touch on those major things, but I'm going to try to identify Jesus in this. So mm. then you see uh, systems just breaking down, mm. you know, just absolutely breaking down. Now, one of the other things that we were prophesying as we came into 2020, that it would be a time and season of innovation. And mm. I've been keeping up with so many things, just what you did. You went from this great revival, really a massive revival uh, there in, in the 209 area in Manteca, that thousands and thousands of people would come through and then bam, shut down. Well, now you're actually reaching more people than you're reaching before. If you had sat there, scratched your head Come and on. said, oh, God, we got to pray that, you know, the governor's got demons and this person's got Come demons. And, we can, and they might. I don't know. But in reality, you know, the, it, it's troubling when we limit the kingdom to the, the decisions of a man or a woman. That's why for me, like right now. I'm not looking at Joe Biden and saying, oh, God, if he gets elected, that's going to change my Come life on, and Apostle. heal all my problems. I'm not looking at Donald Trump, President Trump, and saying, oh, God, if he can stay another four years, revival's going to come. And I'm not coming to try to come against anybody's thoughts. I have opinions, but we're not on here like for Fox News or CNN. Come on, come on. What I'm saying is this. I'm looking to Jesus, the author mm. and the finisher of my faith. And so one of the things I believe is that Jesus is bringing major innovation and the people who have hope 
are those whose eyes are on Jesus. Now I'm looking at the current crisis and saying, Lord, what's the lesson? Well, one lesson is that really America hasn't been okay for a long time. The soul wow. of America has been broken and we have found ways to sort of patch wow. over it. So God has allowed, because I believe he's sovereign, the scab to be ripped off and the wound to be exposed. And it's going to get worse before it gets better because we're recognizing that we've got a bunch of broken systems. I look at people in the streets and I say, this same group of people, like I live in Atlanta. So in Atlanta, the vast majority of mega churches are not having service. The governor has said, you can have service. They're not having service because people have been scared to gather. Mm. And in reality, our hospitals were filled. There was a lot going on. But suddenly, overnight, the streets are filled with people. And mm. I'm looking at people and say, you know, when people get scared enough, fed up enough, angry enough, whatever emotion you want to put, they will bypass their concern for their own well-being and safety because passion is driving them. Wow. Then I look at the church and wow. I say, we're struggling to get people. If you have a two-night meeting, Come on. we're struggling to get people to the two-night meeting. We're struggling to get people to just show up. And so I'm looking now at what's happening. And this was the thing. Some late, a dear friend of mine sent me a word about a vision she had years ago about riots breaking out and then revival coming. As I read it, the Lord just spoke to me and he said, from riot to revival. Mm. And so I'm looking at what's happening now and I'm saying, I'm asking the Lord, Holy Spirit, help us move from riots to revival. Come on. Let this sort of outbreak of fires that we're seeing everywhere of tumult, of uh, uncertainty, of adversity, let it be a sign unto us. And, you know, Isaiah, we know as revival students that there's never been a revival ever that we've seen happen in a comfortable period on, of time. Preach, because when preach. people have no hope, when people are filled with fear, when medical science is failing them, when government is failing them, when uh, even bishops and archbishops and apostles and prophets, and when it's all failing, people say, well, there's only one hope for me and it's Jesus. And so my concern is for us as the church, those that are born again. My concern is, are we ready to facilitate wow. what God is getting ready to do? Wow. Um, and, and so I think there's a lot of dimensions of this, but I'm, I am like every other human being, the human side of me. I have cried over the last week. I have disagreed vehemently with people. I've been angry. I've had every gamut of emotion. But when I step beyond that and say, as a citizen of the kingdom of God, what do I look at? I look at a nation that is crying out for one thing, on. and it's Jesus Christ. And so we have to, as the church, be prepared to release Jesus Christ. And I'm just believing God that we will see miracles in every city. I'm believing God mm. we will see intercession rise up. You know, I, God on the groan last night, the Lord was speaking to me, and he said these words to me. He said, Ryan... He said, every city has two, two sort of destinies, potentially. A demonic destiny, that wow. which the enemy is declaring over the city. So you travel, I travel. You go to a certain city, people go, oh, brother, that city's yeah. so religious, you don't want to go there. My God, it's going to be awful. And you go in there, and you do feel that, and you sense that prophetically, because that's what the devil has established in that city. Then you go... Uh, and you look at the other destiny. The other destiny is what God has ordained for our place. I don't believe there are any places that we have been to um, that we are uh, not seeing God declaring a destiny. I believe mm. God has declared a destiny over every place, but the church has to pull that down. You gave the example 
of the disciples crossing over. And Jesus had said, get in the boat, cross over. He falls asleep, a storm arises, and they question what the Lord said. This is wow. what always happens in time of adversity. We question what God said before the adversity. So I believe we can look at different cities that are being shaken right now, and we can tap into what the Lord is saying. What God, what are you saying about these cities? What are you saying about these regions? And then as prophets or prophetic people, we've got to begin to speak over that area, over that place. And this is where Isaiah, and, and I'll just say this, then toss back to you. This is where I think we've got to change the way we think church, because a lot of us are going to church, has great worship, great kid stuff, great preaching, but we don't know like, okay, what is the Holy Spirit said over our city? Wow. We're not mobilizing prophetic people to decree, to pray, to groan, to travail based on the word of the Lord for that city. We don't even know that. And that's really ABC prophetically. So these are some of the things that I see the Lord stirring. And I want to tell the saints, it's not a bad time to be alive. It Come feels on. like it. And it's a very inconvenient, complex, painful time to be alive but in the kingdom there's massive opportunity that's so good and i really really believe that everything i know we had talked a bit about this everything happening right now guys you need to understand in the natural realm is a reflection of what's happening in the supernatural realm and i said this on friday you know holding back tears that the american church and i know some of you don't like that i have to say this but we have failed america as the body of christ guys and i get goosebumps when i say this we have to take responsibility it's often been said that the state of our city is the report card of our churches and the church mm. we have failed in terms of prayer we have failed in terms of healing we have we have definitely failed in terms of people being demonized coming into our churches and we have not had the substance the power the anointing the revelation the experience to break the back of the demonic powers that are influencing people that are coming to our churches so people come to our churches they want deliverance they want freedom they want healing but we're not providing what they need and what jesus has given us to give to this world jesus said i've given it to you for free Jesus didn't charge me when I got delivered. He didn't charge me when I got healed. He didn't charge me when I got breakthrough the night I was born again, January 12, 2011. I didn't have to pay anything for that. And he says, I did it for you for free, but why are you holding back from providing for the people at work, from the people at school, guys? We have to come to a place. We have to stop being in denial. I believe, and I'm a pastor, I'm a preacher. I believe in the church more than in the next guy. I miss the church. I love the church. I want to gather. I know that you're not the church. I know that I'm not the church. I know that we are the church so without us together we can't be the church i understand all of the the principles and the breakdowns you're going to give me but guys we have to stop being in denial and act like we're these super spiritual christians even now we act like we're holier than thou we're holier than everyone in the country that we don't need to do this or do that or or speak up for the oppressed or speak up against anything because you know we're the church and we're this and we're all polished we have to get to a place where understanding everything happening guys is a result of a lack of prayer in the church and how do I know this? Because God told the people, if my people would pray, then I would heal the land. The land not being healed is a result of a prayerless church. We have presented the world, and this is our podcast and our streams, so we can say this. We have presented the world a powerless Sunday morning Jesus that doesn't have the power to break the chains that the world is bound with. And I'm telling you right now, guys, 
Time is running out. The clock is ticking. I believe, guys, we are in the last corner. And as I talked about Friday, Paul came into Athens, saw a city that was worshiping the brain, worshiping the body. You want to talk about riots? Athens had every type of breakdown you can think of, every idol you could literally think of. And Paul goes directly to the church in the book of Acts and begins to reason with the pastors and the leaders of the city. In other words, Paul said, the riots, the breakdown, the divorce, the abortion, the racism, the tension, um, the depression, the civil unrest is a result of demonic powers. We know this, but the church has not wrestled and won the battle in the spiritual. And so now, and I feel the Holy Ghost, the world is having to wrestle with natural issues that are a result of supernatural problems the church decided not to battle. And as a nation, as a church, I'll take first responsibility. We need to take responsibility for the state of America. I thought Apostle Ryan just today, and I, I felt the same as you, man. I've, I've had a hard time sleeping. I've been up watching videos. I told my wife, I can't watch another video because I'm watching these people get beat on these in these riots. I'm watching stores get looted. I'm watching people fight each other, anger. All the stuff we don't need right now is happening. Now's the time to be divided and to come together as a body of Christ, not fight each other. And I'm looking at all that we've gone through as a nation and I'm going, where are those that are crying out? Where is the remnant right now? Where are the firebrands? Where are the intercessors? As Isaiah 59, the Lord says, I was shocked that there was no intercessors. And I'm going, man, where is it? Racism is demonic. Abortion is demonic. Lust is demonic. Addiction is demonic. Lawlessness is demonic. Sex trafficking is demonic. And we as pastors and leaders need to understand that if we don't win these things, I'm gonna pass over here in a minute, but if we don't win these things in the spiritual, we will never see them manifest in the natural. So guys, we have to stop looking to, to presidents, to politicians, to legislators to change demons that could only be won in the supernatural realm. This is all a supernatural battle that we must win in prayer. So I'm going after, in my prayer time, I'm going after that spirit of racism. I believe it's a demonic spirit that is plaguing our nation, that is attacking our nation, and I'm going after it in the spirit. We need to let the enemy know, get your hands off of America. The church, we have gotten off the wall, and we've gotten distracted by the very culture God has sent us to change, and we as pastors and leaders need to rise up. I'm pleading. I pleaded on Friday for an hour and a half pleading and begging you guys to rise up. I know tonight there's a ton of pastors in here. I could see you watching on the stream and pastors, some of you that are watching have mega churches. I'm pleading with you. Get rid of this whole idea that what if the people get mad and what if they don't want revival and what if they don't want 40 minute altar calls and what if they don't want deliverance and what if I make them uncomfortable? Who cares? As long as we make God comfortable, he will come and he will heal our land. And you know, apostle, I believe until as the body of Christ, pastors and leaders lead the charge and getting on their knees in prayer before their congregation and crying out to the Lord and saying, God, we desperately need you to heal America. And this is my cry. And this is my prayer for you. Some of you say, why aren't you posting anything? Because I'm telling you tonight, my cry and my prayer is let it start in the church. Let it start in yeah. the pastors. Let racism break in the church. Let abortion break in the church. Let addiction break in the church. Let depression break in the church. Let divorce break in the church. Let homosexuality break in the church. Let us be a place that says, listen, you can come as you are, but we are going to be a place that offers deliverance. We're going to be a place that offers freedom. And I know some of you have been writing me, well, what if my church doesn't, you know, my church doesn't believe in deliverance, doesn't believe in miracles. Then as apostle was po posted about, then it's time to exit. It's time to find a place. It's time to find a remnant. This is why I'm bringing on these revivalist guys. You say, what are you, what are you bringing people on for? It's not just so we can have a nice, you know, conversation. It's so that
that you can see there is a remnant in the earth right now. There are sons and daughters of God crying out for revival. And I believe the harvest is right now in the midst of pandemic, in the midst of the rioting. I believe there's a harvest. You know, Marcus Rogers, I know he, he frequents a stream. We had him on a couple weeks ago. I just saw a video he posted. He's in the middle of this massive protest, thousands of people, and he's preaching the gospel. And you know, Apostle, he's not preaching the gospel and getting rocks thrown at him. He's preaching in the middle of thousands of people in the middle of a protest, and everyone's shouting, everyone's crying. People are coming up to him for prayer. There is a move of the Spirit happening even on the streets. We have to stop letting our Christian life stop at the building. I know I'm going, I'm going long here, but I'm telling you guys, now is the time. Time, there's a fresh move of God happening. I'm fired up, man. I, I feel your anointing jumping <laughs> on me right now. I'm like, I'm fired up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's where we're at. You know, I think we have to discern the time. We have to know uh, what time we're living in. We've got to know that at this time, at this season, it's spilling outside of the doors. And so mm. one of the things I've heard a lot of people saying is, we just can't wait to get back to normal. Come and on, I understand. I on. had a meeting in my home the other night because I was like, I just want to worship with some people. Like yes. I'm, I'm feeling isolated. You know, this is powerful that thousands of people were reaching, but I also want mm. to engage with people. And so I get that. However, what I'm saying is that I don't think we're going back to normal. We're Come not on. going back to just where we were. The Lord has created a new season for us to move in. And I love the example you gave with Marcus, taking the gospel on the streets. We've been praying for revival. We've been praying God do a new thing. Many of us have been quoting Isaiah, behold, I do a new thing. And the new thing has arrived. And mm. so we've got to arrive into the new thing. You know, it's one thing to give a prophetic word. It's one thing to speak prophetically. It's one thing to see something in the future. It's another thing to move in that. Wow. Uh, one of the scriptures that I was quoting this year, which I didn't originate this, someone else brought it to me, was Second uh, Chronicles 20, 20. It said, believe in the Lord your God, so you shall be established. Believe his prophets and you shall prosper. And what I noticed in that scripture is the word prosper is the Hebrew word selak. And so I was looking at different meanings of that. And one of the meanings is it means to break out. And a friend of mine had said, uh, actually one of my leaders had said, uh, prophecy is not just information or, you know, revelation, but prophecy is also movement. Like when you really are under a prophetic anointing, there's movement, there's activity. And really anytime you hear from God, there's movement. You know, the Bible said faith without works is dead. And mm. one of the definitions of works is corresponding action. So how do we know if, if someone has faith or something? Well, we can evaluate the dimension of their faith by the dimension of their action. Wow. That they're, they're moving in action. And I believe God is drafting us in the action prophetically. There is a move of God that is happening, but we've got to move in the move. And we've got to have that fearless, daring faith to say, we don't know what it's going to look like. And what Isaiah was saying to the pastors, pastors, you know, you're at a point of decision. You either are going to plot a course to return back to normal. Mm. Many of the pastors, Isaiah, when I go out and preach, and they're honest. Now, you know, a lot of times in ministry, we can get good at hiding behind the trappings of ministry. But when they're honest, many of them will say, you know, when I first started my church and we had 25 people and then 50 people and then 75 people, we would have spontaneous meetings and yes. we would just seek God in prayer and, and God would heal somebody 
in the middle of our service. But then we began to organize our small groups and organize wow. our life groups and organize this. And none of that is bad because I believe one of the dimensions of the apostolic is systems and administration. And if you look at Jesus's ministry, there were times he had to form systems of administration. You look at the early church when the Grecian widows are being neglected, they had to figure wow. out how are we going to administrate this? So administration is not a bad thing, but what we typically do is we build parameters of administration that wall revival out, that wow. wall the Holy Spirit out, that wall Jesus out. You know, I tell the story that one time I was preaching at this church and I was in a season of my ministry that really all I was talking about was revival. I was just really focused on that. I had been in some really wild extended meetings that sprung up and uh, just a really wild time in a good way. So this church in a very tough area called me and asked me to come. And they, they began to tell me, hey, we went and spent hours and days at this revival. And it's a famous revival. And they said, we just know God's going to rock our church. We just know God's going to do something. And we've been watching you and how you move. And we need that. And one of the things that I did and do is that like when I would get into prophetic worship, rather than saying, okay, I'm going to preach then I'm going to pray for you, then I'm going to take up the offering. When I would get in that, what I call a revival atmosphere, which would be a more free-flowing atmosphere, when worship got to a sweet spot, I would just move. So if Come God on. wanted to heal the sick, we heal the sick. If it's time to prophesy over people, we prophesy over people. If it's time for deliverance, we do deliverance. And so I'm at the church, and they have said, we brought you here because we know revival's coming. We're trying to figure out where the car's going to park. Where is this going to happen? So they've opened up a dance team. And the dance team, it's the first Sunday they've ever done the dance. So they do the dance Sunday morning. It's good. It's a good dance. You know, it's anointed. Um, it's okay. It's nothing like, wow, heaven kissed us. But it's good. <laughs> so Sunday night, the same group of people come to do the dance, which was mostly teens. But the parents had come. So worship starts going. And all of a sudden, it's like the Holy Spirit just went whoosh in the room. And I'm standing there because I know the potential of that moment, that mm. in that moment, I'm saying this especially for pastors, in that moment, what we've been praying for showed up in the room. But I also know just how it is for me. It may not be this way for everybody else, but for me, in a gathering, typically when I don't move in what I know to be a divine moment, I cannot recapture that moment. Yes. And especially in a revival gathering. Sometimes you have a conference and you've got sessions and schedule. I get it. But especially when you're just gathering around the presence of God. So I walk over to the pastor and I say, Pastor, I know that the dance team is here. They're going to do the same dance again. They did Sunday morning. <laughs> but God just showed up. And what you prayed for is here. And I really feel like if rather than do that dance right now and do this big transition mm. thing, we just move in this moment, God would kiss us. And I said, you know, we can do the dance later. They can do the dance at the end. Whenever we need to do it, we'll do it. But right now, I believe what you've asked God for is here. And he said, I, I yeah, I sense that. But let me go talk to the dance coordinator. Wow. So he goes walking over. And I'm watching. And, you know, having been in ministry as long as I have, you can pretty much look at the face of me. And I see her clamping down like the parents are here, this, this. And so the thing was, no, we can't move with God right now because the dance is scheduled. The same dance that was already performed Sunday morning. It's scheduled. So we're going to put the dance in front of what we've asked God for. And this, to me, would be one of the problems we have. Pastors, leaders, I believe we're in a season of innovation. Let me say this repetitiously mm. over and over again. 
I believe we're going to see gatherings, churches, hubs, centers, bases, whatever terminology you want to put on them, literally springing up in this season that are very divinely driven in their nature. Some will be more prophetic. Some will be more deliverance. Some will be more revival. Some will be more apostolic. Some will be more evangelistic. Some will have a complexity of all of those, depending on the leadership gifts present. But they're going to give themselves to the purpose of God. And people are literally going to drive, fly, move on, to be there. On. Because they are tired of this guarded form of church yes. where the Holy Spirit is not an honored guest. Wow. And so I want to say to the pastors through COVID-19, the lockdown, what God's been trying to show you is it's time to get out of normal. That's why you're stressed. That's why you're frustrated. Because the Holy Spirit has been walled up. What a program should do that's been designed by spiritual people is create an avenue, a highway for the Holy Spirit to move upon. So it's like this, Isaiah, when the tent revival happened with all Roberts and those guys, there were so many people needing healing. They didn't know how do we administrate this? So they created these little cards and you got a card. And if your card said number 50, you were number 50. So on Monday night, maybe they prayed for one to 400. And if your card was 401, you had to come back Tuesday night. Wow. They created a system to facilitate revival and the move of God, not to restrict it. And we've been creating systems to restrict revival. So I believe that that's one of the, the areas God wants to move in. And I really, I, I want to say this. I saw in the realm of the spirit leaders that were building these kind of movements. And you said about young people. I believe young people are going to be at the forefront of this. I believe one of the reasons the devil is fighting and let me say this, I'm fully on board with justice for the African-American community. I've been an advocate of that. If you look at my network, we're extremely diverse network. I, I'm totally on board with that, probably in a way that makes a lot of other people uncomfortable, mm. but I feel it's part of my assignment. Good. But I think that in the other side of some of this is that the enemy wants to create such walls of division because I think the move of God that is upon us is a move where it's not like, Oh, well, you're Hispanic, come or on, oh, well, come you're on. Asian, or oh, well, you're white, or oh, you're black. It's we're going to celebrate our culture, but we're going to be able to collectively work together without really having to be overly sensitive or irritable about how you address me or what you think of me or whatever. Because what I've learned is when you love people, like in our tribe, in our group, we can talk about anything, even if someone uses the wrong terminology, it says, because there's there's a bond of love. But there's going to be a move of God where young people are going to be present. I believe it's going to be multicultural. That's why this this sort of uh, reformation is necessary. And those that will give themselves to hosting the presence of God in the ways we've talked about. I see you, many of you leading multiple places, not in the way we've done it of sort of uh, franchising the church, but really wow. by divine appointment, God's showing you cities that need what you carry. And you're going from city to city and you're raising up teams. And the people are literally going to move to the city because wow. they're going to be hungry. And I really believe this is where we're at. I believe this, along with a lot more, is where we're at. So from riot to revival, I believe that's where we're going. I love it. And I love what you said about there has to be action. I know people, when you start talking about works in the church, people start getting all crazy. But guys, 
we have to have works in our Christian life. I was actually just reading today, First John chapter three, where he says, "Whoever has the world's goods and sees a brother in need, and if the guy, if the person shuts his heart up from him, how does the love of God abide in that person?" And then he says, "Let us not." And this is John telling the telling us this. Let us not love people in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this, we know we are of the truth. And so he says, if you see somebody in need and you have something that they need and you withhold that, guys, listen up tonight. If you withhold what they need, the love of God does not abide in you. Now, one element of that is starving people around the world. We know that we're called as a church to feed the poor, to feed the hungry. But the other element is, you know, I'm looking at all these people that are starving in the church, that are in the pews, starving. I know there's a ton of people starving in Africa, in India, in Asia, in China, in North Korea, but I'm also seeing um, the American church starving, not out on the streets, but in the pews on Sunday morning because a lot of leaders are not willing. The hour that we live in, this is a reality. We live in a generation that is not willing to spend the time in prayer, to spend the time in holiness. We have redefined what it means to be a leader in the body of Christ. And now, Apostle Ryan, you know how this is. You go into an interview to become a pastor. They don't ask about your prayer life. They don't ask if you're living holy. They don't ask what movies that you watch. They don't ask what type of television you watch. They don't ask what kind of music you listen to. There is no level of holiness, of righteousness, of the power of God. They don't ask you, do you cast demons out? Do you pray for the sick? Do you see miracles in your life? How do you treat your wife? How do you treat your kids? Where our questions are, are you good at making websites? Are you good with people? How do you, you know, are you good looking? I mean, come on now. Are you good behind a, a stage? Do you talk good? Do you put, do you communicate well? And I'm going, what would happen if we got back to, let us not just be Christians in the way we talk or in the way we speak, but let us be Christians in our actions. And and he says, you know, if you, sh- if you withhold or you shut up, you're, the love of God is not in you because you're loving based on, you know, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer. Everybody is now. Everyone in America is a believer. Everybody's a Christian. But when we look at our actual actions, like guys, let's think about this in the chat tonight. If I look at my actual actions this week, Did I really get away in the place of prayer? And I'm not bringing condemnation. This is conviction. Do I really serve God for real? Like, do I share my faith with unbelievers, with family members, with my community, with my people at work? Like, am I laying hands on the sick? Am I driving out demons? Is there a desire in my life for the place of worship, the place of prayer? Or am I exactly the type of believer that John is telling us about that we know will fill the earth in the last days where I'm just a believer in words? All I do is, I, I, Jesus loves you, Jesus this, Jesus that's posting scriptures. And I love the words, guys, but at some point, all the revelation, all the journals you have that are full of great revelation, men and women of God, I'm just wondering at what point does this actually change our everyday life? Like at what point do we say, God, I want to get in my word today over watching Netflix. I want to get in my word. I cannot wait to get in prayer so that I can encounter you. And Lord, if it takes me an hour pressing and pressing and pressing, I'll keep pressing until you show up. Because here's what John says, this is how we know we're of the truth. You know, Apostle, there's a major question in the body of Christ. Am I saved? How do I know I'm a believer? How do I know I'm of the truth? Well, guys, you don't have to wonder. Wonder. John tells us, if you love people and God and your neighbors and you pray for people and you evangelize and you're, you do the works of the ministry, which the Bible says, strive hard to enter through the narrow gate. The Bible says to work hard to prove you're saved. The Bible says to show evidence that you're a believer. There's verse over and over. Jesus says in Revelation, I'll judge you on your works. There's over and over this overlining, uh, this underlining constant. It, we have to have works as you said in our life. We have to do something. We have to evangelize. We have to pray because the Bible says, this is how 
how you know you're Christian. This is how you know you're following the right gospel. I get many messages. Well, how do I know if I'm deceived or not? Well, are you, do you have works in your life? Are you doing the work of the ministry? Then you're not deceived because he says, if you're doing the works, this is how you know you're saved and you're a Christian. Uh, and this is why I believe I have to say this, people are leaving the churches in a massive number, not just because of Corona. Let's just say last year, people people call me. I don't know why people are leaving my church. Maybe it's because we're not doing anything. Maybe it's because, mm. guys, and we're seeing this right now, Apostle, there is an, in, an intrinsic design in your DNA to get off your tail and go do something for a bigger cause than you. There's something in you and people in our churches are leaving because they say, Isaiah, I want to help people. I want to pray for people. I want to be a part of something. I want to join a revolution. I don't just want to come once a week and hear a sermon. I want action in my everyday life. And I'm looking Mm -hmm. for somebody or someone that will provoke me to action. And so for instance, the protests, everything, which I'm not going to go either side or this or that. Some people are saying we should. Some people are saying we should. I'm not going to get into that. I will tell you this. This is the reason why people are protesting right now on the streets and have no clue what they're protesting for. All they know is there's a cause and they want to get out. Now, even this um, this Blackout Tuesday everyone's posting, I did research. I read about I think it's awesome. But most of the people, and please, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with posting it, but I want to say this. Most of the people posting it have no clue what it is. Like, they have no clue you're supposed to only post that, you know, and then not keep posting after. Like, there's a lot of things because we all just want to get behind a cause. That's what you were created for, designed for, and there's a great cause right now, and it's called America Needs to Hear the Gospel Out of Your Mouth. The days of waiting for the pastor to get all your family saved, the pastor to get all your friends saved are over. You know, this has been your mission. This, I feel, is my mission is to equip the believer to do the work of the ministry. We need sons and daughters of God to rise up and to get back to the biblical model. One thing I believe the Lord is speaking this year is that he's restoring the default settings of the church, that we have changed so much stuff in the church when it comes to everything in the church. And God says, I'm getting ready to restore back to default settings, the pattern to go make disciples, pray for the sick, raise the dead, um, cast out demons, preach the gospel, baptize people in your bathtub. Come on, somebody. Disciple people at your kitchen table. It's time to get back to the original model. There's no change from the beginning of the book of Acts to the end of the book of Acts. They never change the model. They never say, you know, they never get around and say, okay, let's not cast demons out anymore because, you know, things are changing and it's not really working and people are getting offended and sometimes the demons don't leave and, you know, people are coming to our services and getting scared. So let's change it. They, from, from Acts chapter one to the last chapter of Acts, the model was exactly the same. And for some reason, as a church, I know I'm ranting here, but it's okay. As a church, we have changed the model. And as pastors, we've told God, our way is better than your way, and I believe a lot of the issues we're seeing are is because instead are because instead of us being the clay and God being the potter, we're now the potter and God's the clay, and we get Jesus into our buildings and we say, okay, Jesus, we want you to act this way because honestly, we're only trying to reach you know the middle class white families that make about sixty to eight thousand a year. So we don't really want to reach the street people. We don't really want to reach the drug addicts. We're not really interested in building homes and making disciples and you know delivering. people people and that dirty stuff. I mean, this is why Jesus said to the people when, when he cast a demon out of the girl in the church, you treat, he told the Pharisees, you treat your animals better than you treat the, the, the broken people in your city. And I was telling them apostle on Friday, how some of them, and I know I'm going to go, the chat's going to go crazy here, but I was saying this, 
A lot of people, they'll let their dogs get in their bed. Come on. They'll let their dogs lick them. I see people I know on Facebook, they take pictures and the dogs, you know, putting their, the dogs putting its tongue in your mouth and it's on your bed and it's getting hair everywhere and it's jumping and eats at the table with you. This is what Jesus was saying. Now, let me give you American translation. You let your dog and your animal and your cat jump in your bed and get all on you and kiss you on the lips. But then you drive by homeless people and you, you, you get a, you know, you get the $5 bill and you stick it out like this, the window and you go, I don't want to get dirty. And you, you get these people in our churches that are broken and need help. And we don't want to, you know, they smell bad and they're sin sinners. Yet Jesus says, you let your dog sleep with you. You let your dog roll around the dirt and then jump in your bed. And he says, so you take out your, your donkey to get water, but I've untied this lady bound by demons inside the church. And you're mad that I'm doing this on Sabbath. Guys, I'm telling you, we got to get out as a positive of comfortable Christianity. Now's the time there is an unusual thing happening. Um, I'd love to touch on this. I believe this is an unusual year we've never mm -hmm. seen a year like this ever but in the same token i believe the acts 19 anointing which is the unusual anointing is going to break the covid 19 crisis i believe it is time for something unusual pastors leaders uh, uh church people listen to me tonight get ready for something unusual get ready for something unexpected get ready for something different to begin to break out in our churches i believe now is the time for a fresh anointing i believe now is the time for such a time as this you were born it is time to seek god like never before it is time to be prepared for a last day outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I am beyond excited. I, I see all the crisis and I'm saying, like you said, this is all pointing to a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I haven't been in church in, I don't know, three to four months. I can't wait for that first service to experience the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I believe now is the time. Get ready for something unusual to happen. Um, this is our defining moment, church. Mm. I love that. I would just I was stirred while you were saying that. And I want to read the scripture, Acts 19, mm. 11, and 12 as a point of reference. God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and diseases departed wow. from them. And listen to this, evil spirits went out of them. Come on. So that well, this is what Isaiah is talking about, an unusual anointing. Now there's a couple things I want to bring out of this. Number one, Paul had captured an anointing. I can't release to you something I've not wow. captured. So the foundational problem we're talking about, we're repetitiously on this broadcast about God's only hope for America is we need the anointing. We need God's super, the presence and the person of Jesus on our natural. So Paul had it. This was what we would call revival, that people were having ma massive encounters with Jesus Christ. People were getting saved. People were getting delivered. And then suddenly... People began to hear about this say, wait a minute, I can't get there. How can I connect? Mm. And so they began to take these prayer cloths. Now, I love prayer cloths. We just did a whole thing on the groan all last month where uh, we had this bundle that people that donated got books. They got a prayer cloth. I've never done that before, so but good. I felt like the Lord showed me to do it. I love prayer cloths. But I've been telling people, you know, that was their way technologically of connecting to wow. the anointing. They couldn't get there. Now what we would really do, and I still am going to do prayer clock, but I'm just helping you understand this. We would connect like online. Like if we're having a healing meeting and, and, and we can do it online, you can get healed online because the anointing is transferable. So I say this, that media is the 21st century prayer clock. Wow. So there was unusual miracles happened from the hands of Paul and they were twofold. The sick were healed. And demons came out. Now, you know, this is another problem, Isaiah. Lots of times we like the healing ministry. Come on, you know, say charismatic, it, say it. like, 
oh yeah i want you know i want to fall and even even falling like we fall nice we fall sweet like come on, we gotta come catch on. Her. i've seen people get ready to get prayer charismatics you guys that are not charismatics you're not saved and you're just hanging out with this i'm glad you're here so good but you you won't be able to relate to what i'm saying but it's funny so charismatic people will get in the prayer line or get ready to get their prophetic word and look around like check out the spot yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. try to catch her listen if the Holy Ghost knocks you down because you get hit with like a firebomb of the power of God, you're not looking around trying to figure it out. Come on. And so we've got this nice like, oh, I just want to be healed and please don't scream, you know, just be quiet. I had one pastor tell me like in our movement, like we, we don't really lay hands on people. You know, Come some on. people, their neck will hurt if you lay hands. We just put on the shoulder. I said, well, I don't do that. Like Come I'm on. spirit Come filled. I lay hands on people. I said, when I see these Old guys like, uh, you know, uh, A. Allen, these guys, they laid their hands on people. They were Pentecostal. And so then demons came out from the prayer closet, the unusual anointing, mm. supernatural, extraordinary, not your ordinary. We're just going to hear about Jesus and go Come home. On. An unusual anointing. We're declaring over you an unusual anointing. Mm. But demons came out and people were healed. You know, this is interesting to me because in the ministry of Jesus, People were healed. They got miracles as he preached, as he taught, and demons came out. And and we often separate those. Isaiah wow. said, "Well, I, you know, I just I've Talk got a about deliverance it. ministry. I just everywhere I go, people get delivered. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful because there's people on here that I respect greatly that are profound in deliverance. But the point I'm making is we will separate those things. Yep. Well, I just I heal the sick, but I don't fool with those demons. That's not Jesus." Jesus wow. did all of that. And when the unusual anointing came, people were healed and demons came out because, let me give you another thought. Many times a demon has to come out for you to get your healing. Wow. Many times that. your mind is demonized and to get that emotional healing, you need deliverance. Many times you, you've gone to the doctor, you've done everything in the natural. I'm not against doctors. I'm thankful for doctors, but you've done all of it. You're still sick. They can't figure out why. Many times there's some deliverance that needs to take place. Mm. So healing and deliverance crushed under the weight of the anointing, crushed under the force of Jesus Christ. That should be normal. But that is what we're prophesying. That is what we're asking the Lord for. An unusual anointing. Let it come on Los Angeles. Let it come on D.C. Let it come on Chicago. Let it come on New York. Let it come on Atlanta. Let it come on London. Johannesburg, Nairobi, uh, around the world, that we would see a great, great harvest. And I don't believe, Isaiah, that we're just going to see a harvest because we just stand up and preach a 30-minute, Jesus Come on. is nice, Jesus loves you. No, no. I believe God wants to rock entire cities with an unusual anointing. And, and I want to say this, to walk in an unusual anointing, to see unusual miracles, you're going to have to do things that are uncomfortable. Say it, say I just it. told this story the other day I, when I pastored, the, the church I pastor in Virginia is not a huge church. And I pastor this church, but we had every once a month on a Sunday night, a healing service. So we were having a healing service and a, a young man came in with a brace on his leg. And the Holy Spirit said to me, if you'll pray for him and take that brace off, he'll be healed. Wow. Now, at this time, I don't know what's wrong. So it's easy for me to say like, oh, yeah, that's awesome. But I don't know what's wrong. So I go to the mother because he's a kid. And I tell her what the Lord said. And then I ask what's wrong. She says, he doesn't have the ligaments, the proper ligaments. And I said, well, what does that mean? She said, well, that brace is doing what the ligaments should do, like holding the bones in place, holding everything in place. If we take the brace off in the natural, 
it's just going to buckle and, and the bones are most likely going to break. When I said, you got to wow. know you heard from the Lord. Yes. And, and, and I knew I heard from God. But this is the other thing. I knew that her faith needed to link up with what I heard. So I asked her, are you okay with this? And she said, yes. So we literally prayed, took the brace off. Kid starts walking. Then he starts running. And every time we had a miracle like that, new people came to church. Wow. Because they never saw that before. The unusual anointing is going to bring unusual relationships, unusual resources, unusual opportunities. There are people watching this broadcast that you're going to start ministries. You're going to have an unusual anointing and unusual. And people are literally going to either give you a building or they're going to give you use of a building. Now, to me, it doesn't matter if you give me the building or give me use of it. If you will sign a contract, you can use it. Great. That's fine. Because at the end of that 10 years, if I need to move out to something else, I can move out. But God is going to give people unusual resources to do what they're called to do. It is the season of the unusual. And I think people are going to have unusual ideas. This podcast was an unusual idea. Come on. Uh, the groan was an unusual idea. People are going to have unusual ideas because God is changing the system in this hour. And that's going to be one of the biggest problems for the church. If we don't embrace the prophetic spirit to move with God, we're going to stay stuck. And I'm fearful, Isaiah, that we're going to see, especially in revival, a lot of people that used to have the lampstand, wow. but they don't have Go it there. anymore. And my wow. prayer for me personally is like, you know, I would just rather like say, okay, I've had a good run. I'm going to go get a condo in Florida and just do an online business and chill out because I don't want to be out here preaching and everything. And there's no anointing. And I'm the only one who knows that. So I want to keep my cutting edge. I want to keep that unusual anointing going. And I think I love what you said, because I think so many pastors and leaders fall in love with what God did yesterday and they keep trying to replicate what God did yesterday. I've come victim to this as well. You know, me and my uncle who's on the broadcast and uh, Nino on here, we talked for hours about this in the end of last year, transitioning to what we felt like God was speaking to this this year. And we wrestled and we wrestled and we wrestled saying, God, we know what you've done, but what are you doing? I don't want to miss. And guys, this is very essential for tonight. God is speaking something tonight. God is saying something and it's easy to miss what God is saying because you're wrapped up in an encounter you had a year ago. How many people do we know that get up and share their testimony every week? And it's, and I love it. Listen, I love the testimony. I love what God healed you, delivered you, but it's the same testimony every week. It's like that one brother and he's going to get up and say, you know, in 1974 and I'm going, okay, that was in 1974, but what is God doing? I've looked people in the eye all over this country that said, well, when I was young and in 2001 and 2005, and I've asked him this question, what is God doing right? Right now in your life in your generation every day there's fresh manna every day there's a fresh encounter I I get out of bed going God what do you want to say to me it could be small it could be big I'm willing I'm ready but I believe if we're gonna transition because I believe right now we're in a season of transition this is prophetic tonight guys we're gonna transition as the body of Christ into the new thing that God is doing the new innovations the new way to reach people the new way to prophesy the new way to do deliverance I was today going okay can we do zoom deliverance I have all these people messaging me wow. can we get deliverance and I'm going okay I know you can I know it's hard but and then I felt like the Lord was saying okay Isaiah I'm gonna release special anointings to be able to do zoom deliverance to be able to do deliverances on phone calls I know it's not you know this or this or that but I know God is saying I'm gonna 
going to release something fresh on the earth because here's the bottom line reality I'm tired of old the Bible says when the manna got old it stinked and I'm going God that sometimes I just go God this just stinks the situation I'm in because I'm just tired of the same you know I get to a place where I go I'm preaching the same people every week I've yeah. told my team over and over I am not going to die preaching to the same 80 people every single week that have no fruit no fire now listen if they're out evangelizing preaching praying I'm cool but if we're gonna sit around and pretend that we're on fire and pretend we're radical and pat each other in the back and give each other fortune cookie words back and forth pour the same oil over each other every week I'm go I'm out I will go take my car take my van pack up my three kids pack my wife up and I'll go drive or fly to somewhere where God is moving because I'm not gonna live my life in the shell of what was when God says I'm ready to do something new I've prayed a thousand times saying Lord I need to fall out of love that's why the Lord told him in Isaiah forget what I did yesterday not the bad but the good forget the good I did yesterday because I'm getting ready to do something new and those that have ears to hear those that have eyes to see what God is saying I know people Apostle Ryan that I grew up with that are writing me that are that are adults that are writing me that are in, that were in dead churches when I was a young kid and now they're writing me this is 20 years later they knew me as a small kid and they're in dead churches even now are writing me saying Isaiah we've known you since you were a young kid and now we've seen what God's done in your life and through your preaching we've been awakened we've been in church our entire life but it wasn't until you got on these live streams you begin to preach you begin to prophesy that we were awakened and we realize how dead we were there are some people in the chat now that don't even recognize the spiritual death that has come upon their life and I believe the Lord is saying realize the death and let me awaken you because if you don't realize it if you don't get to a place where you say I'm spiritually dead you will never contend and cry out for revival awakening because why would you need revival why would you need awakening if you're not dead if you're not asleep but I believe there's people right now in this broadcast tonight that say Isaiah we hear what you and apostle are saying we need revival in our life we need awakening in our life this is the only hope for America there is no at this point I can say this safely. I said this 10 years ago, but I'm saying it even safer today. There's no hope for America outside an authentic outpouring of the Holy Spirit. There's no hope for this nation. There's no hope if we don't see an outpouring and it starts in us. It starts in you in the stream. It starts in the pastors, leaders saying, God, we want something new. We want something unusual. We want something fresh. I believe we're on the tipping point. Pastors, leaders, forget about your systems. Forget about your agendas. All that stuff is awesome, but not now. God is doing something new and we need to transition into what God is saying. If, those, if you have ears, let him hear tonight. I believe we're on the edge of something fresh. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the Lord is just stirring people up. You know, those that have tuned in live, and I know you have so many people that watch, listen to replays later. I think God's brought you here to stir you because mm. I've never exited a season without what I call divine frustration. Like you wow. outgrow the season you're in. And I think that's one of the things that the Isaiah scripture is, is behold, I do a new thing. Like God's constantly inviting you into new things. And so in this season that we are in as a people, we can look at all the things going wrong and like, there's a lot. So it's easy to just look at this went wrong, this went wrong, this went wrong. However, in reality, it's very important that we pause and tune into God, tune into the voice of the Holy Spirit to say, okay, what do you want to do? Because I feel like many people's faith is getting paralyzed. Mm. They're like the Lord showed me, we're looking at ground level. It's like if I'm in a battlefield and I'm looking at ground level and there's a ton of soldiers, there's bodies dropping, that's what's in my viewpoint. 
But if you lift me up above that and change my perspective, I'm able to see the same battlefield wow. from a different perspective. And that's why I love worship. That's why I love prayer. That's why I love the prophetic. It lifts you up. And so I believe the Lord is lifting his people up in this hour to see and to sense what is new. And so many of the pastors, many of the leaders, you may have to come to place in God of saying, okay, what I did was phenomenal for a season, but it's not for this season. You know, when you study revival history, uh, one of the things you find out is that most of the time when a new move of God comes, the biggest opponents of the new move of God are the former move of wow. God. And I know for me, Isaiah, you know, I, I gave my testimony tonight. I was saved in a word of faith church. There was a style of teaching in a word of faith church. There was a rhythm in a word of faith church. There was all sorts of those things. However, when God began to bring me around prophetic people, I had to let go of a lot of that stuff. And it was very hard. Honestly, I was fearful. Well, what if I get deceived? What if I do something wrong? Every sort of change in my progressive walk with God, every change of seasons, every change of flow, every change of language, I had to get another level of deliverance mm. to let go of what was, because what was will bind you. The epitome of religion is dwelling where God used to live and move. Wow, and say that that's again. the problem that we see happening. One of many problems in the church. You know, I want to say this one thing. It, when we look at everything happening, I'm looking at a lot of people talking a lot in the church. And, you know, it, it, they're mad at this person, that they're not doing it right, and they're mad at this system. And and there's, there is a righteous anger. Anytime there's injustice, whatever, you gave examples of poverty, different things, racism. Anytime there's injustice, prophets and prophetic people should get stirred to a point of anger. Wow. But it's righteous anger. But here's where I think we're missing it uh, in a bit is that, we're pointing that finger at every system and everything else, but we're not being introspective wow. and looking at the church. There are ways that we have done things that will not allow our, our wineskin, our mode of operations to expand, to contain what God wants to pour out. And I think that's one of the things I did a broadcast that night on uh, battling the spirit of racism in the church. And I plan to do another one. And I was like, I don't know why to talk about that because I could talk about it in the nation and the and I did a little wow. bit, but the Lord said, no, you got to begin in the church. Judgment yes. begins in the house of the Lord. Yes. So Isaiah, it's really easy for us to say, people aren't hungry. You're not hungry. The church isn't hungry. We've got to be hungry. You know how many times I've been in gatherings with people? And let me say this. As a preacher, there are times I come into a gathering that I may not look super engaged. I think someone was commenting earlier today, like, did I know I was alive? Because I was looking. I was reading the comments that was over here. But I know when Isaiah's talking, even if I'm looking away, doing something. You're still there. But there are times I come into a service that I'm weighing the atmosphere and everything. Mm. So there are times preachers will come in and they won't look like super prophetic or deep. But there's so many times that I've been in atmospheres where heaven was there and the preachers weren't even worshiping. Wow. The preachers weren't even passionate. So I'm like, how do we get the people passionate when we lost our first love? And, you know, Isaiah, I went through this season of, of, of like continual revival meetings. And it was challenging for me. The, I have not been in a season like that in the last several years because it literally zapped me so so deep. And one of the challenges was that every time I would feel like I'd come to a good place in God, I would show up at another meeting and then God would be like, get on your face. Wow. And I would be like, why, Lord? And he'd be like, there's still more of you to empty out and more of me to pour in. And that's, that's why like that whole revivalist lifestyle is so challenging because it's a continual hunger. I love that Eddie James song, Make Me a House of Prayer. May the fire on my altar never burn out. 
It doesn't matter if the fire in your church burns out, if your fire wow. burns out. If I'm a preacher writing all these books and all this stuff, you know, one of my lessons for COVID-19, like I've been in major opinions personally. I'm still writing books. I have a media company. I have a business as well as all the ministry stuff I do. And they're in some ways function uh, cohesively in some ways. But like I've been in major repentance. Like I, I, the Lord has challenged my heart personally. Like Ryan, get your hunger back. Get your focus back. Wow. Uh, get in tune with what I'm doing in this hour. So I think that's one of the things we've got to do as leaders, as believers, as hungry people. We've got to let the Lord revive us before we're telling everybody else to get revived. As far as the conflicts, as far as the things going on, we've got to begin right here. So if I've got a problem, you know, one of the biggest problems I see with what's going on in our culture is we don't listen. It's wow. like if you bring me into a conversation about Manteca and I come in like, well, the governor of California is wrong. And I've got all these opinions and I'm not sitting there listening to you, then it's problematic. And, and so we could go a whole nother tangent on that. But I believe these are things that will prevent you from moving in the new thing that Isaiah is talking about. So good. And I think what I love what you said, because a lot of people don't realize you can only produce after your own kind. I think one of the reasons why personally in my own personal life, I've been intentional and people make fun of me for it, of responding to my own altar calls of being on you know my knees at the altar, trying to be the last one, the first one is intentional because I know I'm only going to produce the type of people that I am. I have pastors frustrated calling me in person saying, why can't I get my people to shout while I'm preaching, right? Why can't I get my people to stand up? Why can't I get my people to worship? Why can't, and I, I have told pastors this, look at the way you act when guest speakers come. You're on the front row with your arms crossed. There's no passion, no excitement. If you come preach for me, listen, you might not, you might not be the greatest preacher, but I'm gonna shout like you're the greatest preacher. Yes. And you know, cause some of y'all have preached for me, all right? And you flopped around or on the stage. You might not have the best, you might get this or that. I'm gonna be on my feet because I'm hungry. I am genuinely, when it, guys, when I come into these podcasts, these live streams, I'm hungry. I'm hanging on. I'm not putting on a show. If I had no camera up, I would be going crazier than just putting my hands up. I'm not doing this for a show. I'm doing this because genuinely I'm hungry for God to do something in my life. I don't want to get stuck or stagnant. And there's people in the church, pastors and leaders. I've asked pastors this. When was the last time your church saw you get on your knees? And many of them don't remember. We have to begin to get vulnerable before our congregations and lead them in worship. During worship, we got to get vulnerable. Now, I love what you said because it's one thing. You know, you travel in, you get off a plane, you haven't slept all night. You're getting into an atmosphere. You're trying to figure out, you know, I got to preach in 15 minutes. I'm trying to figure out, are these people even hungry? What's happening on the right. worship team? And so you're, you're focused. But I'm talking about the nominal pastor. There is no reason, pastor, why you shouldn't be excited about worship, excited at prayer. We have prayer meetings and the pastors don't even show up to the prayer meetings. And they say, why right. can't I get my people to the prayer meetings? It starts by you showing up to the prayer meetings. It starts by you. I have my team saying, listen, you know, you got home late from traveling. You're tired. You don't need to be there. I do need to be there. One, because I need prayer, but two, because I need to lead. If your followers are more radical than you, then they should be, you should be following them. They shouldn't be following you. We have to step it up. And, and I'm saying all this 
not because we're doing a pastor stream, but because every one of you in the chat need to stop looking at yourself like a grasshopper and start looking at yourself like a leader. The reality is if you are a believer, you are leading somebody. Where are you leading them? Are you leading them into compromised, complacent, comfortable Christianity? Or are you leading them into the furnace of prayer, revival, and holiness? We have to start leading our friends and family, getting radical, and then saying, because the world is attracted to passion. I'm telling you, I have unbelievers watching and they say the only reason we watch you is because you're radical, you're passionate, you're excited, and we look at how excited you are about God and we think in our heads, maybe there is something to this. You know, Apostle, one mm. day, I'll never forget this. I had a girl come to our, our revival at the house, high as a kite, and she told me this. I'll never forget this. And some of you in the chat were there and you could attest to this. She said, I saw you on YouTube. I was on drugs and it, I watched you preach and how crazy you were and I literally said whatever that guy's on is better than what I'm on because that dude's going crazy but I want to be a spectacle I want people to look and say what is the passion and the fire about you can't turn it off it's not on and off guys it's all the time we got to be radical we're producing disciples after our own kind so if our church members are not passionate we need to look into ourselves if our congregation's not excited we need to look into ourselves if they don't do deliverance we need to look into ourselves this is a time of reflection as the body of Christ of inventory. God has allowed us to be home for three months. If you've not taken inventory on your spiritual life, now is the time mm. before we open back up. And mm. some of you I know are already opened up to an extent, but before our country as a whole has not opened up yet as a whole. Until we get back to what we call the normal of, of society and the culture, I believe the church needs to take inventory. And I believe even tonight is a night of taking inventory, saying, Lord, am I really who I say I am, or am I living my life with a form of godliness or a reputation as the church of Sardis? You know, apostle, I think it's easy for us to live behind reputations of everyone says, oh, you've written books, you have YouTube videos, you have a big yeah. following on Facebook, you've done this. But then at the end of the night, you inward look and say, I've lost my first love. I've lost my passion. Yeah. I can't count how many times I've done this. Lord, am I, am I that guy in Jeremiah that you said, I remember you when you went after me in the, in the wilderness? I remember how hungry. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be the guy Jeremiah's preaching about. I don't want to stand on judgment day. You know, people are all afraid of what if I get Corona? I'm not even worried about getting Corona. I'm worried about getting to judgment day and the Lord saying, everybody on YouTube knew you. Everybody on Facebook knew, knew you, but I don't know you. Like, I have no mm. clue who Isaiah Saldivar is. But Lord, what about God TV? What about Charisma? What about YouTube? What about Facebook? What about Instagram? And the Lord say, but the whole world knows you, Isaiah, but I don't know you. This is the fear of the Lord that keeps us on our knees, that keeps us off those dirty websites, that keeps us living a clean life, is saying, Lord, I want you to know me. And so I believe we're in that season of vulnerable, get vulnerable before your church. Let them know the struggle is real, but you know what? We're working through it and we're going to see a great revival. Um, before I let you go, Apostle, is there anything else that you'd love to you'd say or you want to mention or talk about? We, we're not in a time restraint or anything like that. I know that it's, it's much later for you than it is for me, but I just want, if there's anything else you'd like to say or add, yeah, I, well, first of all, I want to say thank you for sharing your platform with me. And you said such nice things at the beginning. I feel the same way about you. And I'm just blessed to see how God is using you as a trailblazer, forerunner. So those that are watching, I always try to do this when I minister for 
someone I love, this is a good friend. I, I encourage you, if you like what you hear, I appreciate if you believe it. this is something that needs to be going around the world, you know, get involved with what Isaiah is doing. There's donate links, there's click links, and I know he's going to give you instruction at the end, but I just want to say, get involved with that. You'll be blessed sewing into that. And so really, I think, you know, we've said so many things, maybe two things that I would like to wrap on and say, for the pastors and leaders, we're not trying to come down hard trying to stir you because yes. many of you have probably been frustrated yourselves you've been scared you don't know what's next i like isaiah have heard from so many pastors that are uncertain they're not sure what to do they're not sure what season's next they don't know what comes ahead and right now depending on who you pastor and what your congregation looks like and what's going on in your region you might be freaking out like how was it, how do i minister to people mm. who are in crisis and they're in pain and they're broken you know i was uh on the phone like for hours for several days from so many young african-american leaders who were just in grueling pain excruciating pain horrific pain in their emotion in their soul and it was so challenging because i'm walking through with them and trying to find the words to articulate that will help them and so i understand as a leader that you may feel depleted and i want to encourage you mm. to take what we've said and allow the holy spirit to fill you up and get on your face and say, okay, Lord, I've built this thing my way. I've done it my way, but show me what you want to do. So I really want to just say that, and, and you might need to make a massive adjustment or a shift or a change, but I promise you, if you hear from God, what you do is going to be great. People have asked me, like, Ryan, how have you been during the season? And I'm almost embarrassed to really talk about it because it's like our ministry's done great. I mean, I went from traveling every week to zero. Come on. But our ministry's done great because God had spoken to us and given us instruction to build so many things digitally. And then my media company has had some of its best times ever. Wow. And it's like, oh, man, this is so crazy to me. But God spoke to us and he showed us what to do. And we sowed seed and believed God. So pastors, that's what I want to say to you. People of God, believers, unbelievers, people watching, listening, that say, help me. I want to tell you that always and forever, no matter what comes on this earth realm, no matter what comes in your life, Jesus Christ, the Bible says the same yesterday, today, forever. There's always hope in Jesus. There's always a new beginning in Jesus. There's always an opportunity for a turnaround in your life in Jesus. And if you're like me, like I said to my wife today, I'm not turning on my television for news not one time. Come on. I said, I know I'm too curious not to like read a few headlines on my phone, but I'm not watching it because for some reason when I watch it, it gets into me more mm. and I'm pretty aware of what's going on. And I just feel like I need to decompress. So many of you might need to decompress. You might need to get on your face. You might need to get in your prayer closet, but I want to just tell you that Jesus is the ultimate answer. The title of this broadcast was about the hope for America. The hope for America is a great move of God and we are being primed for a move of God. So do what you need to do in the natural vote, protest, speak up, prophesy, pray, do all those things. And I'm doing those things. But on top of that, recognize there's a higher kingdom. And mm. that's where your hope rests. And be encouraged to know God has a plan for you. And it's not changed. You know, I think, Isaiah, you gave this scripture about them passing over stormy waters. And the thing was, they thought God was changing his mind. God did not change his mind. So whatever God said to you before this crisis, it still stands. you got to hold on to it. And lastly, if you're watching this or listening to this and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, it's super simple. Come on. Basically, you come to the Lord. You say, look, Lord, I need you. I believe you died for me. You paid the price for my sins. 
I repent. That means to turn from my sins and I make you Lord of my life. You pray a very simple prayer like that and you mean it. And then you try to connect with a great church, a discipleship group, something like this, where you can learn, where you can grow and you can become a part and you just keep striving to serve God. And so if you're listening, watching, and you don't know if you died tonight, if you'd go to heaven, I encourage you to make that decision right now. And one of the things people will say is, well, but I've messed up and I've done this, I've done that. There's no scripture I've ever found where Jesus said to somebody, hey, go and get yourself all cleaned up and then come to me. He never says that. I told you my story. You heard Isaiah's story. We were totally messed up. The only good thing in us today is Jesus. So really, I would encourage you, if you don't know if you died today, if you'd go to be with Jesus, just surrender to him. And, and I'm going to give it back to you, Isaiah, because I don't know like how you do all of that. But I really encourage you listening, watching. If you need to pray that prayer, do it. Um, Isaiah will give you some instructions. So that's all I got. I appreciate you guys so much. And keep listening. I love you, Apostle Ryan. Is there anywhere specifically you want that they could follow you? I've linked his Facebook. I think Facebook's probably the best because it has all your links, like your website, um, your Amazon, yeah. all that. So, guys, I would love for you to please, um, before the night's over, it's in the description, his public figure page, and that's the account he streams on. And so, guys, what would really help is not just, you know, go like his page and all that, but get in the streams. He's streaming, jump in the streams chat in the streams be engaged be involved and he's preaching he's sharing giving constant content out so please guys follow what he's doing apostle what an amazing night i'm honored to have you on thank you um we got to do this again 100 we got to do this again this was awesome I, i'm following you and i want everyone to follow you is there anything else that you would like to send people to or facebook's probably the best no i think if they go to facebook they can find all the various places i hang out from there so okay go to facebook and hey let me say this one thing yeah, yeah. It was really cool with what isaiah's doing and everybody on the stream you know a lot of times there's a lot of tension in the body of christ because it's like somebody's saying something different than this person or they think differently or they operate differently i work with a lot of people who think very differently than me and that's one thing i love about isaiah he does that. So as you're on my page, on Isaiah's page, and we're challenging you, you're hearing something different, you know, be open to that because mm. the Holy Spirit oftentimes has different people with different revelations. So and sometimes I've learned I'm wrong on something. And so it's okay if we're all thinking and processing differently because the main thing is Jesus. So check me out on Facebook and that's it. We got to do another one. Uh, we got to do it again. I know people are asking. We'll do it again. I would love to have you on another time. Love you, Apostle Ryan. Thank you so much for being here. We'll definitely talk soon. I Thank love you, you so too. much. Thank Take you. care. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiahsaldivar.com for more content. And please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.